Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Texan Overtime Podcast. My name is Michael Shapiro. I am the sports editor here at the Daily Texan. Joining us after a week off is our associate sports editor and football beat writer, uh, Mr. Trenton Dashner. Trenton, where were you last week, buddy? Why couldn't you make it? I was studying for a test. Oh, man. You know, because you were kind of, I wouldn't say shady, but you were kind of ambiguous about why you couldn't make it. You didn't give us any reason. You just texted Alex and I like, hey, like I won't be there, which is fine. We held it down for the listeners, but I think people were missing you. But, uh, you know, it's nice to have you back. Thank you. I appreciate it. Also joining us, as always, bearing a little sickness today, I know, uh, our football beat writer and senior sports reporter, Mr. Alex Bresenio. Alex, how you doing, buddy? I feel awful. And you know what? I have a test tomorrow as well. And uh, But, you know, I'm here. It's crazy grinder. how priorities work. You're like my Gruden grinder of the week. I don't have, like, a Shap equivalent of that. But, yeah, you know, no. John Gruden, Monday Night Football, will go, that guy's a Gruden grinder right there. That's, I appreciate that. That's what you are. And that. also joining us, we thought we would do the more the merrier this week. He is our women's basketball beat writer and senior sports reporter. But we figured, you know, he knows – enough football for himself he's the host of no question about it not no questions asked i swear it's no question about it on 91.7 kvrx mr drew king yo drew when can we listen to your show man you can listen to no question about it either online at kvrx.org slash live stream or on the radio at 91.7 fm kvrx mondays at 10 p.m central time damn you're much uh much smoother at kind of promoting your show that oh, I yeah. am. The I'm Texan the... Overtime po- plugs that I have, they're a little clunky, so I'm trying to strive gotcha. to be like you. Uh, all right, so folks, Longhorns coming off a 13-10 overtime loss, real heartbreaker at DKR on Saturday. Now they will head to Waco for a date with 0-7 Baylor, 11 a.m. kickoff from McLean Stadium in Waco. Longhorns opening as an eight-point favorite. Guys, my biggest problem with this game is, it's on ESPNU. I don't get ESPNU. Do you guys? I feel like most students, their apartments won't be able to tune in. I do not have ESPNU. I also don't have cable, though. So, uh, oh. you know. Cord cutter. It's fine. Malone. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure too many students have ESPNU. I also don't know if too many students are going to be awake at 11 for this kickoff. I also don't know if students want to watch a Texas versus Baylor matchup. I feel so. like there's going to be a lot of apathy, especially coming off back-to-back losses. You agree, Trent? The, the fandom's going to be tested on Saturday. The fandom's going to be tested. <laughs> Everyone was up in arms about the crowd last week, Ooh. which, Drew, give me your insight on this. So okay. they asked about the crowd size. Everyone was tweeting about it. There were little pictures 15 minutes before the game. You know, oh, there are no fans in the stands. It filled in kind of nicely, but Tom Herman on Sunday said he was disappointed. My take on it, you're not going to get fans until you start having an over 500 record, which Texas haven't for the past three years. It was the week after the OU game, the biggest game of the year. It was hot out. It was 11 a.m. Do you really think it's a big deal that, you know, it wasn't a very imposing crowd? I don't think it ever really well, was a DKR. So I agree that, you know, fans aren't really obligated to show their support unless, you know, the team is going to perform better. But I still believe that as students, it's our responsibility to support the team. Um, and sometimes that means that they're going to, that they're going to lose. And so I think that as students, we should certainly be doing a better job of showing our support by coming to the games. But I also agree with you that I don't think it's as big of a deal as Tom Herman is making it. That's a, that's a rosier outlook than, uh, than I had. You know, they're making us pay uh, however much it is for the big ticket. It's $200. Which is, I guess it's kind of astounding that students won't show up after they pay for the big ticket. But I guess, you know, parent, parents' money don't care for a lot of us. Well, so, you know. I think, I mean, if, if you're a student and you're, if you're paying for this on your own, I don't think you want to pay 200 bucks for a 5-7 and seven team, honestly. That's fair. That's very fair. But, you know, 
I feel like the fans bit of an ancillary point. I thought I'd bring Drew in. And, and well, you know, the big ticket that. also gives you other sports too, such as the women's basketball team. But um, well, I mean, the big ticket first of all is one hundred seventy-five dollars, not two hundred. It's plus Did, twenty for the handling, so that's one ninety-five. Get it together, Trent. Depends on where you pick it up. All right, I don't. I don't want to wait. I don't want to waste my my <laughs> precious podcast time discussing the the minutia of the big ticket package. You can get football, <laughs> basketball, baseball. You can get it all. Fans. That's another, okay, if we're going to complain about football, oh, go to the baseball games. Those, those are, are brutal. You don't like those? No, I love baseball games. But the student section, there's not one. You can go, you, but you can sit wherever. You can sit favorite. wherever, but I mean, the, the crowd attendance. Volleyball is the best spectator sport at UT. Of course. The crowd, especially in like, because, you know, the regionals and stuff are hosted at UT. And, you know, we didn't match up Sweet 16 matchups. Greg, it's like a very compact space. That place gets nuts. I love it. Is Texas a volleyball school? Yes, 100%. I thought that when I covered the team two years ago. They're trying to make their fifth straight Final Four. They're a women's basketball and a volleyball school. And swimming. And swimming. And yeah, swimming. we've been a swimming school already yeah. forever, which is true. That's um, tough. All right, let's 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 move on to the football talk here. Uh, we got a little off track, but, I, you know, it's kind of fun. I enjoyed that. So the my biggest takeaway from... The 13 to 10 loss, Oklahoma State, other than, you know, Sam Mallinger just clearly had a brain walk on that last interception. You know, I, I don't know where he was going with the ball after watching it 50 times, but overarching theme, guys, why is this offense so terribly anemic? I mean, Michael Dixon's on the field 11 times. It seems like they can't generate any semblance of momentum offensively, right? Well, they were in third and long, it seemed like, the entire day against Oklahoma State, and they just... They, they had, were. All of, their, <laughs> all of their issues on offense just kind of came to the forefront. Like, we know what this offense is. They cannot run the football. The offensive line is in shambles, and they cannot pass protect for Sam Ellinger. He's always running for his life. So, I don't know if Texas can honestly correct these issues in, in as productive a way as they think they can. I think by this point in the season, Texas is kind of what they are. Their offensive line is about as good as it's going to get in terms of the pieces that they have. Whether or not they get Connor Williams back anytime soon remains to be seen. But the the running game, I, don't, I just don't know how much they can improve it. Tim Beck and Tom Herman continue to say that it's going to improve and it's going to get better and that has little to show for it. And Sam Ellinger's injury makes things interesting this weekend because he's been one of the big viable, well, really the only viable threat that Texas has had in the running game, and now you possibly have Shane Bichelle going out there Saturday, so we'll see how that changes. You know, I think the offensive line is something you can't fix. I mean, the guys are who they are. You just have to hope they kind of grow as a unit, start to protect their quarterback a little more, but it, it seems like that's kind of a pipe dream. One thing you can fix, though, is how you scheme with a battered offensive line. And it seems like over the past two weeks, Texas offense has been too content to try to sustain things with deep drops as a passer. You know, it seems like it's a lot of five, seven, you know, long patterns down the field. You know, I, I don't miss the uh, the old Charlie offense from last year. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of our offensive coordinator. Sterling Gilbert. I, I don't miss the Sterling Gilbert little five-yard hitches and, and six-yard slants all game. But it seems like if your quarterback's getting killed on these deep drops, play after play after play, maybe you try to initiate some quicker stuff in the offense. That's what they did week one against Maryland to varying success. But it seems like you know you get Reggie Hempel Maps more involved that way. You get Colin Johnson certainly more involved that way. Do you think that you know a different kind of offensive formula can help Texas moving forward, Alex? I agree with what you said about the offensive line. I mean, you can't. I mean, running the ball is obviously the issue. Forty-two rushing yards. Uh, Saturday. That's kind of been the story of the entire season. Um, 
But I'm not sure. I mean, we, we've been complaining about the lack of the running game all season, mm-hmm. but we've also seen, you know, what happens when they try to run the ball. It, it, nothing happens unless Chris Warren rips off. He, he did actually he did rip off a couple of ten yard rushes he was uh, better. Saturday. He was better, but you know, I'm not sure. Sam's not getting a lot of time. They can't really develop a run game. I, I'm not too sure what else they could develop that would, you know, short term that could put them over the top as far as. You know, games against West Virginia or Texas Tech. You know, I think they just got to, especially on the outside with these receivers, you got a game plan to get the ball in your playmaker's hands more. I mean, Colin Johnson had three catches. Reggie Hemphill, Max, I know he was a little bit banged up and still has only two catches. I mean, on the last play of the game where Ellinger throws the interception, you know, someone brought up a good point. Uh, I forget who it was. Was it you, Alex? About who was on the field? Yes. Was that, that was my yes. issue. So, perfect. Final play, uh, little Jordan Humphrey on the sideline, Colin Johnson on the sideline, and I mean, even Dorian Leonard, when they were talking about a jump ball, you had two six-five guys and a six-six guy on the sideline, yep. and so that that was my main issue. You put out uh, Lorenzo Joe, you put out who else did they have? It was Duvernay and Burt. Yeah, and so uh, if you're gonna do a jump ball, which is what they're saying that was supposed to happen after the play fell apart, um, if you're gonna put players in that position, you know, you got to put out the right personnel. Yeah, the, he said what the route was was the same kind of rub route that Clemson used to be Alabama. Yeah. If you guys remember it, you know, one guy just has a slant to the inside, one guy gets the pick and just goes runs to the outside. But, like, why are you running that with John Burt and Lorenzo <laughs> Joe? Like, obviously you should run that with Hemphill and Johnson or DuVernay. It was Gerard Hurd in the flat. Hurd, pardon yeah. me, exactly. Still, the, the same point stands. Yeah. You know, why are you running this with, you know, you're not most, either you're not, the guys who aren't the most athletic for your team or the guys who aren't the speediest for your team on the route. It just seems like at too many key points, the balls aren't in Texas playmakers' hands enough. And well, that's it, my biggest qualm. It's right amazing now. how coming into the season we all thought that, and it still is the case, that the Texas receiving core is the deepest it's arguably ever been in the history of the program, and yet they still can't seem to figure out who to put on the field. Yeah, <laughs> You have all of these pieces, and they still can't you know, figure out who to give the ball to. Colin Johnson disappears in spurts. Um, Low Jordan Humphrey disappears in spurts. Um, Devin Duvernay is a guy who thought we, th- I at least thought was going to have a, a potential to have a breakout year, and mm-hmm. he's been MIA for much of the season. Really nice. And regarding that last play, I mean the personnel is obviously a question. I think um, the the play itself kind of broke down. Uh, Coach Herman said that uh, Hurd ran too deep of a route, you know, into the flat, sure. and it kind of threw off Sam. And Sam just made a stupid, just stupid throw at the end. Obviously, throw. where was he going? With but, the ball? You, know. you gotta throw that to Lubbock, you know. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Twelve Longhorn uh, players had a catch last week, which is interesting. No player had more than four catches, which you know it's great that you have so much depth, but it seems like Texas is kind of being the victim of their own kind of spread the wealth mm-hmm. mentality here. Drew, I want to ask you about this. It seems like no one can figure out really who, who the best Texas rusher is right now. Oh, you know, it's gosh. probably Sam Ellinger, but as we'll we'll get to later, it's not very healthy for it to be Sam Ellinger. But you got Chris Warren the third, who had 12 carries for 33 yards. You got Tony O'Carter, who had one carry for three yards. You didn't have any Kyle Porter rushing attempts. Who do you think is the most dynamic running back in that backfield? I don't think it's personally any of them. But if you had to pick, is there one guy no. who stood out to you? For the whole season, I believe it's been Chris Warren because yeah. he. I feel like he fits kind of the same mold that uh, Dante Foreman mm-hmm. did last year, where he's just a thumper who's going to get you, you know, f- at least four yards up the middle. Um, maybe two sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> two yards in a cloud of dust. <laughs> no, but he's he's a big back who can move the chains if you need it, especially in short yardage situations. Um, but they've been running Sam Ellinger a ton this 
season. Um, Trent, did you have the stat earlier? Sam Ellinger's got seven carries. I mean, 77 carries in the last four games. 38 which is, past which, two which, weeks. Which is so unbelievable. That's, that's almost 20 carries per game. Those <laughs> carries can be yeah. going to the running backs. And what I have been really frustrated about is that they don't seem to stick with one guy consistently. Mm -hmm. They keep going with this committee approach, and what ends up happening is nobody can get in a rhythm. And so that's why I think we've been seeing this inconsistent uh, production out of the backfield. And to be fair, I mean, a lot of Sam's carries are are off of scrambles. They're not necessarily designed runs, but he does have a lot of designed runs. And with, like your point, with the running backs and also with the receiving core, they have all of these guys that you think that they could seemingly give the ball to, and yet they choose not to seemingly go get them in a rhythm with the receiving core. Like, pick a few guys, keep them in the game, get them in a rhythm, whereas it seems like it's a committee approach every single week, and same thing with the running backs. And for backs, I think that's really important. You know, a lot of times if you you give a back, you know, three, four carries in a row – Especially a guy like Chris Warren. Yeah, let him start running downhill. Let him start to get after a little bit. They can establish a rhythm and start making plays. But if you're substituting a running back out after each, you know, six-yard run, nothing's going to go well for you, right? My issue from the beginning of the season was how high the coaches have been on Kyle Porter. And, I mean, he might be doing some unbelievable – unless he's hurdling players left and right, (laughs) you know, in in practice. practice. He has to be doing something crazy. Um, or unless the player, the coaches are, I mean, drunk during media availability. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully not. I hope not. No Sarkeesian but, action. But I mean, I, to me anyway. That's the thing, right to there. To me anyway, it's been clear that Warren has been, I mean, the best back that Texas has, and so I, I'm not sure why they were splitting carries in the first place. I don't know. I really, I really have no answer for it. I don't think we will find an answer as long as the offensive line is like this. Uh, let's go on to something that... Well, to answer, it's because Warren was averaging 3.8 yards per carry in that yeah, USC yeah. game. That's the number that's of the season good. right there. Cannot happen. Not Can't give him the ball. Not not, not enough 3.8 yards I will yards say this. I, I am a Tennille Carter fan, though. I, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's a nice change of pace Honestly, back. I would pick Tennille over Kyle. I think I would, too. Might be because of that one catch against Iowa State. That's, that's why I was saying that. He's a Shane Vereen guy, to reference your New York Giants. That's the that's the second Shane Vereen mention I think we've had in three weeks. <laughs> and both both times, enough. it's made my blood boil. But uh, going back, we got to talk about what Drew touched on earlier, and that was the carries that Sam Ellinger has occurred over the past two weeks, past four weeks. It kind of started you know, when it was announced on Sunday night that Ellinger is in concussion protocol for the second straight week now. He's had 38 carries in two weeks. He's been in concussion back-to-back weeks. And now, on Monday, it didn't seem like his head coach was all that concerned about those statistics. On Monday, it was asked, I guess, I guess full disclosure by me, but I don't care if anyone had asked it. His response would have still been ridiculous to me. I mean, full disclosure, it was I didn't have any personal problem. But, you know, the question was asked that, you know, your quarterback has been in concussion protocol for two weeks. He's had 38 carries in the past two weeks. He's been taking a lot of big hits out of the side of the pocket. Are you worried about his health? And the 18-year-old freshman quarterback's head coach's answer was, that's football, <laughs> which I understand you assume some risk when you're stepping onto a football field, a D1 football field. I get that. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't protect your quarterback and keep him out of harm's way. I mean, am I the only one with a problem here for how Sam Ellinger has been tossed around like a ragdoll by both opponents and now it seems like his own coaching staff? It was a very crass, sly Ugh. answer by Coach Herman. And, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of amusing. Like, I mean, I get what he's trying to say. Like, oh, that's football. Of course it's football. But your quarterback has 77 rushes in four games and you're okay with that? Like, you have no resemblance of any running game. 
and yet and you say oh it's going to get fixed and yet you still sit up here and act like oh we're just, it's just football we, you know sam he's in concussion protocol but it's just football we're not going to worry about it. It, it that's what it came across like and it it came across as a little tone deaf and it's like you, you guys got to fix the running game you mm-hmm. ellinger is carrying the load way too much for a freshman that might have been the worst possible answer <laughs> that I thought, to, to be honest. Give a report. Might have. I mean, it's televised. You know, that's that is the worst answer you could have possibly said. And uh, this morning, I, in my journalism class, several students were asking me, like, "Did he actually say that?" Okay, and there, there have been students that have taken issue with this, and obviously, you know, at this time, concussions are taken very seriously now, and so it's just when you any time of one player, any player goes into pr- concussion protocol two times, you know, back-to-back weeks, there's going to be some concern. And so I'm not too sure if he just panicked and he just, that was the first thing that came to his mind. I don't know. But that was the worst possible answer he could have given. Well, just to be clear, Sam wasn't technically in concussion protocol after during the week after the Oklahoma game. He was evaluated on the sideline, came back he in. He entered he, concussion protocol on yeah. back-to-back Saturdays. That's true. He he okay, but I'm saying he wasn't in concussion protocol the Post-game. week no, the, the week no, after Oklahoma. Yeah, I guess okay. that's a fair yeah, yeah. clarification. Yeah. But getting reviewed for head injuries, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I personally hope that the answer was just crass, and, and <laughs> Coach Herman is is concerned about his quarterback's health, and I think we'll find out the answer to that on Saturday because he's been he's you know he missed another practice uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, still in concussion protocol. I understand you got to win games, and he's probably your best quarterback. I would hold him out. I wouldn't let him play this week. You know, give him a week to kind of sit on the sidelines. You're playing 0 and 7 Baylor. Yeah. Bouchelle is, you know, he's very competent. He, I think that's like <laughs> I, I would all describe Shane Bouchelle as competent. I, but I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that point. I think Shane should start this week, even if say Sam, by any chance, passes concussion protocol. Just because I don't think. I mean, even if Shane wins this week against Baylor, he's not going to do anything to potentially go out and win the job. I mean, it's Baylor. So and they don't need Sam at all to play this week. I totally agree. Well, so I think part of the issue is that Sam is not a small dude, right? He's he's six two two thirty, which is a lot bigger than Buchel. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's this sense that oh, he's big enough to be taking these hits, but we forget he's only eighteen or nineteen years old. Yeah, like he's still a young guy, um, and he's taking hits against you know twenty three year old two hundred sixty pounders. So. I think that it's a lot of fifth-year seniors. Well, it's fair. <laughs> it is Baylor. Nice, nice one. Yeah, but I, I, I agree. He he really does barrel his head in there, and it's not like he slides. <laughs> nice. That was great. That was the dig of the week right there. You should Appreciate come on. It. You should come on more, Ooh, Drew. I love that. That's tough. But uh, yeah, you know, he's he, it's not like he's you know having twenty carries and sliding on fourteen of them. Like this dude, he's lowering his shoulder, lowering his head, making you know big time collisions. He's looking like Tebow out there, to be honest, which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, he should sit. If he plays, he better not cure some hits, or uh, we might have another little snafu on Monday. Uh, the press conference, we'll see. Man, it's football. It's it's football, folks. <laughs> Are you gonna ask him the same question if he takes another? <laughs> if he gets in per- concussion protocol again, coach, is it still football? I bet someone. I bet someone will ask before. Uh, I get the chance to, but it was kind of fun. I always like there should be some animosity between the coach and the press. It's a badge I mean, of honor. Team three and four now, so it's good. Things are starting to get a little hot. I'm sure everything will relax this week after Baylor, but I thought it was the most interesting know, pressure man. of the season I last don't know week. If things will relax. All right, let's let's move on to the actual you know matchup on the field on Saturday. We won't spend hopefully too much time on it. Again, the Longhorns heading to Waco for a date with 0 and 7 Baylor, 11 a.m. kickoff at McLean Stadium. They are eight point favorites. Trent. Who on Baylor poses the biggest threat to the Longhorn's chances of victory on Saturday? 
Uh, no one. Texas will win pretty easily, I think. You, <laughs> you, think you really think it's it's going to be a walk in the park here? I think, I think it should be a walk in the park. It doesn't give you any pause that you know they came back, fought West Virginia to you know a two point loss, fought Oklahoma back to an eight point loss. You nothing? No. I think Trent's giving Texas too much credit. <laughs> what do you what are you thinking, Alex? I, I mean, Baylor took Oklahoma into the fourth quarter, lost forty nine forty one, came back against West Virginia, lost thirty eight thirty six, and I mean, te- tournament said Texas is not good enough where if they don't play their A game, they will not beat anybody. Um, so if they come out like they played against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, uh, defensively at least, um, they'll, they should take care of business, but I don't think it's a guaranteed win or a cakewalk for the Longhorns. I think really the only way the Longhorns get beat is if they give up big plays, which they have been susceptible to. Denzel Mims, wide receiver, you know he already has you know nearly 700 yards receiving on the year, seven touchdowns. Uh, they're not playing Charlie Brewer. They're not playing uh, not playing Cade's brother. They're playing Zach Smith at QB. You know he's not the most dynamic guy in the world, uh, but he can make some plays. You know it, Baylor could score some points on the Longhorns, but you know oh, well, they got to avoid some turnovers. They got to avoid the big play. Charlie and Cade, in fact, are not related. They're not. They're not. What? Yeah. Since when? Since forever. Oh, well, that's no fun. I thought they both. I thought they were too originally. They but both I went to. A, I looked it up a few. Lake Travis. Ago. They both mm-hmm. went to yeah. Lake Travis, and they're yeah. not, not related. related. They're not brothers. No, almost. Man, I am a top-notch reporter, guys. I come in here. I do my research. Upset. Now, my question is: Did you read that somewhere? I, I mean, no, I, it's I heard. Assume. It. I mean, it's. it's, a, it's I think someone said like it, the brother battle, and I was like, "Huh." Yeah, I didn't do any more research, but that's on me. Were they talking about Hager, maybe? Yeah. Regardless, Drew, do you think the Texas is going to be in for a tough one, or you think they're going to kind of cruise it, here? It should be a cruise, but I'm not as confident as I hope I would be. So um, the guy I'm really looking out for is freshman running back Treston Ebner. I hope I said that name right. Yeah. Um, so he went off against West Virginia last week. He had 54 yards and a touchdown on the ground, and then 109 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Impressive. So he can he's a do-it-all back. He's just now starting to get his feet wet. But I think that that's a guy that we really need to look out for as a big play threat. Um, also, RIP the streak of Texas getting an interception in every game this yeah, season. Done. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can get back on track with that. But um, To be fair, they just didn't throw it towards Holton Hill. That's true. At all. <laughs> I thought it was so strange that they really wouldn't – Was it seemed like Rudolph was hurt because yeah. Gundy was just refusing to throw no the ball. ball. I was waiting for it. Every like, time it yeah. seemed they flung anything 15-plus yards, it was a completion like on a post or down the seam. And for much of the second and third quarter, like, Gundy was just giving three-yard handoffs to Justice Hill. Like, I was looking on the sideline, seeing if Rudolph was hurt, but it was just it was pretty perplexing. But Gundy, I guess, did get away with it. Um, let's move on to our predictions here. Uh, Longhorns, again, eight-point favorites here, which I thought was pretty low. But you are going on the road, and Longhorns are in uh, three and four. Might be a bit better than their record indicates, but uh, as Coach Bill Parcells always used to say, you are what your record says you are. Drew, what's your prediction for Saturday morning? Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to go... 31 to 17, Texas. Tight one. Two-score game. Yeah. Close enough. Alex, what do you got? I would say around 31, but I, I've never been okay with giving Texas field goals, you know, since, you know, oh. two weeks ago, oh. three weeks ago. Damn. So uh, I'll do Texas 21, Baylor 13. All right. Low scoring affair and a push. Yeah. Picking the push. What do you got, Shine? I've got Texas 27-14. All right. You know. Is that a missed extra point? Or two field goals. A, a couple field goals. Possibly, wow. possibly shanked extra point. Josh yeah. Rowland. I, I, I wouldn't put it past Josh Rowland. Yeah. He's either going to have a big day or a missed extra point. We'll yeah. 
you know, trying for someone who was so, you know, sure about the blowout, you know, that's not that big of a I mean, Texas spread. That, that's a blowout for Texas this year. I guess I that's, fair. that's fair. I guess that's fair. Uh, my, my last question <laughs> would be how much can Texas fans take? Like a, what do you mean? I mean, these losses. Oh yeah, if, if they if they lose to Baylor and then they have to face TCU, I think the, the heat's going to be turned up a little bit. But I, I think Texas is going to take care of Baylor. Oh, I don't know. Give me twenty eight thirteen. I know we're all in the same area, but that seems about right. You know, maybe Baylor strikes a few big plays. Maybe it's close at half, but I think ultimately the Longhorns uh, will pull ahead. So thank you, uh, thank you, Drew. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Trent, for joining us. Thank you to our lovely podcast director mr zeke fritz you guys can follow us on twitter at texan sports you can find this podcast in the podcast app or on soundcloud and please make sure to pick up a copy of the daily texan anytime you're on campus or in the austin area we'll have some great football coverage throughout the season we got some women's basketball coming men's basketball coming should be a fun end of the semester in austin again texas will head to waco they're taking on O and seven baylor on saturday morning 11 a.m kick And uh, let's see if the Longhorns can get back to 500 on the air. Thanks, everybody. This podcast was produced by The Daily Texan and hosted by Michael Shapiro, Trent Dagener, and Alex Persenio. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode, and you can always find more news at dailytexanonline.com. We are not the same idea.